adoptees, friends and family of adoptees, it is I, Mike McDonald, the host of The Rambler, The Rambler Podcast, which you may or may not be familiar with. You know, it's the podcast for uh, adoptees, where I interview adoptees one-on-one now on a monthly basis uh, from from my uh, office thing in New York, not New York City, New York State. It's slightly up from New York City, not like, you know, hours and hours. It's like 40, 45 minutes, 45 minutes away from New York City in Manhattan area, which is usually where I, I spend my my weekends and sometimes my weeknights. But this is that's getting into a lot of a lot of issues, I guess, or things that you don't necessarily need to know. What's important here is that we have a great show for you today, and uh, my guest is Emma Rafaeloff. I was told to pronounce it Rafaeloff. I think I'm pronouncing that correct, and she just finished her master's degree. Uh, in Asian Studies at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., or the DMV area, as it were known. Uh, And she's a Chinese adoptee, and you're going to hear more about her in a bit. But she's young. She's very young. She just finished her master's degree, and she's like 21 or something crazy like that. It was like, I don't even know what I was doing with my life at 21, but it was not earning a master's degree. Uh, I'll tell you that much. It was not probably anything of much significance at the age of 21. I, I don't think I was doing much then. I was going to college, I guess, at, for my undergrad, not for my graduate degree. And uh, that kind of uh, drive and ambition and intelligence is uh, something that makes me feel uh, woefully inadequate mentally. And so thank you for that, Emma. Uh, with that, what else is new? What's been happening in your life? Uh, Wonder Woman is going strong at the box office right now for the second straight weekend in a row. Good job, Wonder Woman. I'm very happy. I saw it. I saw it uh, last weekend. It's a good movie. I enjoy it. I think it's uh, putting DC back on track. Uh, I had some issues with it overall, but um, I I liked it. I thought it was a good film, and I encourage you to go watch it if you haven't already already watched it. And and what a nice change of pace is that it's uh, surprisingly I don't know family friendly. It's more it's more kid friendly of a film than the last couple DC movies uh, have been. I think. In my opinion, they've been very dark. This one seems a little bit lighter. I mean, there are there's obviously some action and violence, but uh, it, it's not nearly as bad as as you know Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad uh, have been. So there's that. There's my my movie review of the week for for Wonder Woman. Uh, what else has been going on? Well, uh, I've been to a couple different events this uh, past month. Some put on by a past guest and friend of the show, Julie Young, with her company. Uh, dream maker, dream doer, dream supporter in New York here, and one of them was to uh, talk about Asians uh, in, in filmmaking, which was great. So I went to that because it's something that interests me, and uh, they have the documentary out now uh, called Bad Rap, which I think you could check out on iTunes and probably Amazon and Google, and it's about uh, Asian American rappers, and I, I think it's pretty awesome. You could check it out. Uh, so that was a good panel. Uh, what else is new? Uh, well, Anne, the wife, my wife, just got a job. She graduated from the International Culinary Center. She's doing good stuff over there, or was, uh, where she you know, graduated with three different honors out of a possible four, and the fourth one was not offered to the baking program for whatever reason, and now she's got a great job uh, baking down at Lafayette Bakery on Lafayette Street in, in downtown Manhattan. So if you're ever in... Manhattan in the uh, North Houston area, NoHo, 
go check out Lafayette Bakery. Apparently, it's very good. Uh, I mean, I've I, I haven't been there physically, but I enjoy the breads that are brought home to me, along with other baked pastries and goods. They're quite delicious. So uh, if you were the kind of person who likes bread, and uh, let's be honest, who isn't, uh, check it out. Check it out. Throw them uh, a couple shillings, and they will get you a delicious carb-loaded bread or sugar-loaded pastry that you will enjoy. Yesterday was the last uh, event for the mentorship program, for the youth mentorship program and the teen mentorship program, uh, of which one of which I direct or directed, I should say. This is my last year doing that. Uh, and it was good. It was good. It was the AK barbecue in Prospect Park, Brooklyn. I never go to Brooklyn. Um, I go there maybe once or twice a year. And it's pretty much for this barbecue because it's too far. It was uh, kind of a cluster getting out there, uh, as it always is, getting out to Brooklyn from upstate. But I did it. We did it. And it was a successful barbecue. And uh, there was a lot of good food there. And it's always good to see everybody uh, at AKA who I haven't seen uh, but for once a year at this barbecue. So that was good. And I'm happy to have been a part of this organization uh, through the past decade or so, I guess more than a decade, which is, is a frightening thought, and through multiple uh, iterations of the board, and I'm very happy to still be a part of this great organization. So thank you, AKA, for doing another great year, and uh, look out for more activities on their webpage. You never know what's going to happen uh, this summer, uh, networking events and such, and then next year, next year, I, uh, we, when we can welcome incoming AKA board president Mike Mullen, who will hopefully be on the show soon. We'll see. Uh, in any case, let's get right to the show for this month with Emma Rafaeloff. Uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. So check it out. And enjoy. Enjoy. You have enough. You're, you're caffeinated. Yeah, I have both cups with me. Both okay. cups. Yeah. Well, you, so uh, tea is in the one cup. What's in the other cup? Coffee is in here. So, you have coffee <laughs> so, and tea in the morning. Yeah. I mean, I have tea pretty much like on a constant stream. And then at my workplace, we have a pretty dangerous coffee machine that makes like three shots of espresso at a time. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, so you're like well dish. caffeinated at all times. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went like, uh, there's a sakura festival that goes on in DC like every year and I was gonna leave for it yesterday and then I realized at like 10 I was like oh my god it's been three hours since I got up I haven't had any coffee oh, <laughs> this no. needs to be fixed I'm not gonna get through the day <laughs> so um but yes I'm caffeinated so excellent <laughs> so this is like a regular occurrence for you is like tea and coffee yeah yeah <laughs> I, I I drink tea to regulate myself like off of the coffee also because coffee yeah. is really dehydrating <laughs> so so i don't know are the properties of tea rehydrating i like to think that they are but i'm actually not sure it depends on like how caffeinated it is so like if i have a lot if i have like highly concentrated like espresso or uh, coffee like with espresso in it or something mm -hmm. i think generally having green tea there's something that feels healthy about that <laughs> i don't know if it's actually healthy but um, every hippie that I've ever seen tells me that green tea is like really healthy. Yeah, it's supposed so, to be good for you. But yeah. I actually don't know the veracity of that statement. I'm like, oh yeah, green tea. It's got like zero calories and it helps you burn calories somehow. And it's also got some herbal stuff to it. I don't know. Yeah. The second part about the burning calories, I'm like, I, I don't know about that, but 
I mean, if it and how caffeinated is green tea really? Is it more caffeinated than than just a cup of coffee? So I think your average cup of coffee has about fifty milligrams of caffeine in it, and then green tea can be anywhere between like twenty and thirty milligrams, and mm. then like white tea is like ten, and then black tea can be is a range, but it depends on like where the tea comes from and the concentration of the leaves. Wow, you know a lot so. about caffeine. Well, I'm also <laughs> so I'm a regular drinker of caffeinated beverages but then only coffee and tea really but uh i i'm from colorado and we have the celestial seasonings factory like down there oh yeah yeah and so if you go on that tour enough times, tea company yeah you know all the all the facts so have you gone on a tour of the celestial tea factory yeah i took a i was there last year to officiate my friend's wedding Oh, nice. And I like took one of my friends with me and I was like, okay, so we'll go to special seasonings. When we went on the tour, they start the tour off by asking everybody in the group, like, so who here drinks herbal tea? And then everybody like raised their hand and then who here drinks blah, blah, blah. And they kept going down the line and I like kept raising my hand for like every single type of tea. <laughs> they're like, who drinks oolong? And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like the only person. It was me and my friend. So, um, it's one of those moments when you realize like, oh yeah, I guess Americans don't really drink that much tea no. on average. So you're like, you're like a tea connoisseur. I think, yeah, I guess that's, that's pretty fancy. I do have like probably 20 plus types of tea in our cabinet right now. Cause my, my old roommate, my new roommate and I all have like at least five different types of tea. <laughs> That we have acquired. Like on rotation. <laughs> I think that's yeah. more tea than they have at like my local grocery store. <laughs> Possibly. We have really obscure varieties of tea too, so. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you guys really like tea. Uh, <laughs> so did you, did you grew up in Colorado then? Yeah. I, well, so the funny thing is, I guess I was adopted at four months. And then, mm. like, went directly to Utah because that's where my parents were living at the time. From China, and then, right? Right. Um, and then after I was about four or five, we moved to Colorado. So I've basically, like, I'm from Colorado. That's kind of how that's I how you feel because it's been 16 years. Yeah, then, that's solid. Then I came to DC. So it's a solid amount. I mean, yeah. well, Utah and Colorado, I feel like they're very close together. Are they close in proximity to each other? They are. I mean, it's like a seven hour drive to get from Salt Lake City to Denver. Uh-huh. So like from capital to capital, like the thing is that the culture is very different because oh, really? uh, like Utah is basically known for its high uh, Mormon density uh, and yeah, population, that's true. Yeah. Um, which like Colorado also has Mormons, but like you don't find the uh, like LDS church on uh-huh. every with, yeah, with that much yeah. frequency whereas like i don't know in colorado like we're known for being very politically liberal and i'm from boulder <laughs> so it's like the town that got the marijuana legislation oh and yeah a lot of other stuff through so. probably not gonna happen yeah. over there in utah i don't think no. <laughs> at least not anytime soon like yeah. so d- d- i'm guessing your parents are not mormons then um, no, so we're actually, my my family's Jewish, um, so. <laughs> so totally different than Mormonism. Yeah, but, like, Mormons are really friendly. I mean, like, they Mormons are. are really friendly most of the time, but, like, yeah. they're really, really friendly for, for with Jews. Um, 
which like I can't speak for Mormons, but essentially like most of the stuff that I hear from them and like what my parents tell me from when they were like living there because they lived uh-huh. there like 10 years before I did is that like they view themselves as something as somewhat like related to Jews or as like being one of the lost tribes huh. of Israel. Yeah. Um, right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I've heard like a variety of different things, but right. like, uh, that's one of the more interesting ones. <laughs> um, so I, I hate yeah. to say that the, the, the most of the things that I know about Mormons, uh, comes from like the book of the Mormon, book of Mormon. Broadway show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, so- Weirdly, like, Trey Parker and Matt Stone's, like, weird obsession with Mormonism. I mean, so, they're, yeah, I don't know. There is a big enough poor population of Mormons in Colorado that, like, there's some, I don't know. I don't know what I was about to say with that, but basically, <laughs> I think that the Book of Mormon, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but, like, what? it's oh, not man. entirely inaccurate. I've listened to it, but, like, not closely. Right, So, right. like, some of the songs, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. Well, it's all in... It's, like, tongue-in-cheek. It's all in jest, yeah. right? It's not supposed to be, like, a documentary on Mormonism. Right. <laughs> and so I think, you know, if, if you take it as that, then you're probably off. Like, I'm probably off-base on a lot of things about Mormonism. <laughs> I'll be open about that. And, you know, any any listener out there who's a Mormon can totally correct me, and I will, I will take them at face value because I yeah. really have no idea. Uh, so yeah, sorry, I, I don't mean to say anything that's uh, anti-LDS, but... <laughs> no, like, I don't, I don't very... think you have. <laughs> yeah. That, but that is all to say <laughs> that you moved from Utah to Colorado. Yeah, um, which is, I don't know, it's always funny when I tell people, like, oh, I'm from Colorado, but, like, my dad... So my father went to Brigham Young University. Oh, yeah, is, okay, that makes sense. Um, and he went to the University of Utah for his graduate degree. Mm-hmm. But people are always like, why did he go there? <laughs> um, I'm like, as, well, as a Jewish guy. <laughs> yeah, as like so as like this Jewish, like dark Iranian guy. And <laughs> he's a like, Persian Jew. Yeah. So, oh wow. Um, people it's a my my parents and like the story of how they met and like basically our whole family demographic is always pretty like weird to people. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my grand uncle, he, or great uncle, yeah, he married like a Mormon woman at some point when he came to the States, like in the sixties or seventies and Mm then, um, had like connections to get my, my dad and my uncle into school there. So that's kind of how that happened. Ah, My father also being very attached to tea as a Persian, um, (laughs) like really, really did not like their anti-caffeine rules. So like... That's one thing I always remember. His like big act of rebellion was to brew tea, like on the canvas. At like Brigham Young, he's like sitting there yeah. brewing tea, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, it's a sin." Well, yeah, and I still really don't understand what the distinction is, but I'm understanding that like for Mormons, like some people do follow that rule. Like it's becoming increasingly like kosher rules. It's like, oh, yeah. you might be able to do that, but it's like not cool. Like you're not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're not going to kick so, you out of the family, but, but we frown upon yeah. this behavior. Yeah. But his brother, who was, like, much more, like, into following the rules, like, did get on his case at one point. So that's a story that my dad tells. And my <laughs> like, dad what, is, like, what does that mean he got on his case? Apparently, like, my uncle told him, like, what are you doing? Like, we signed to live here. We signed the rules. Like, you can't have tea and no coffee. And then my dad basically was like, 
<laughs> what do you mean we can't have tea? Who's who's gonna be hurt? I'm not Mormon. I'm gonna have tea. <laughs> so. They'll be understanding. They're understanding people. They seem very friendly. Yeah. Yeah. But is it like in the university rules, like you can't have caffeine, like there's no soda machines on campus? I don't know. Well, but that's the other thing. So like they do drink like hot chocolate and like soda. They they eat chocolate and chocolate has caffeine in it. Yeah. So it's it's a particular distinction from what I understand of like hot drinks with caffeine. What? But then they don't drink iced tea. No, nah, I thought they weren't supposed to have soda either. It's like I thought it was anything with caffeine, like anything that's going to alter your mind state. Oh. Somehow. Okay. I, well, yeah. So I've gotten I've heard very different things on this topic, and I've gotten different <laughs> answers from different Mormons too. So I don't know. So if you're a Mormon or went to BYU, you can write in to the Rambler, and Do you we will drink fix hot this. Chocolate? Do you drink hot chocolate? We're get, asking the hard hitting questions here. So, so your dad is a Persian Jew going to BYU. What does he do after that? Like he moves to Colorado after you're like four or five. Oh, actually, so yeah, my parents, my parents met in Utah. I got married in Utah. <laughs> I don't know. Was your mom that, going to BYU too? No, my mom actually, um, her family had moved to Utah back when she was a teenager. And then she, um, let's see. So yeah, for college, she ended up going to UCLA and then like on a visit to her mom, was going to synagogue, which like is a super Jewish type of story. Like your parents meet in synagogue, um, as, as your mom goes back to visit her parents. Um, but they met basically going to the Jewish version of church and, uh, Mm -hmm. she ended up like moving back. I mean, it's a little bit more complicated because she like had, she had cancer, Mm -hmm. um, and she was also going through some amount of treatment and like life transition. So she ended up meeting my dad and then like a year later they got married um, and he went to grad school or like he was going to grad school at the same time at University of Utah. They stayed there because he found a job doing engineering research. Um, and then when he like transitioned jobs after I was like four, then he ended up at uh, Seagate. So like the, the hard drive company. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, if you're into computers and stuff. Yeah. I think my dad is always secretly disappointed that I, I didn't go into engineering. But... It's like tech. <laughs> well, so the funny thing is that like I, I now – I think he's like a little bit happy because he can understand what I do now because I work at a trade association um, part-time because I'm in grad school. But like uh, all the companies that we help, I, I can kind of tell them like, oh, yeah, here's like you know what the general outlook is and – I can tell him about the business side of things and the policy part. And then he'll be like, okay, that's digital and I deal with hardware, but like, that's cool. (laughs) So So, it's like, it's, you're meeting halfway. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I use my liberal arts degree to. Yeah. There you go. um, Meet him in the middle. (laughs) So, so so how was it growing? What did you feel like there was a difference growing up in Utah versus your time in Colorado? Um, well, for the part that I actually, like, remember about Utah, because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was a very nice neighborhood. People were very happy and cheery. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There, there's really not too much of a difference, I guess, in the environment. Because, like, I grew up in, I was in Salt Lake City, like, before we moved uh-huh. to, to Boulder County. It's actually not 
Like I grew up in a town called Superior, which is terrible. <laughs> I like it terrible. Take a lot of yourself out there in Colorado, uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's this like small town that really like is not justified to honestly be like that much of a township. Also because like they somehow managed to go over budget like one year by like $70,000. I don't know how that happened. Um, random parts of town politics that I remember. But uh, I also, the street that I grew up on was Goldway. Gold so way. I would tell people like I live on Goldwood, <laughs> and um, that was that generated a lot of jokes. But yeah. like fairly, fairly like upper middle class like neighborhoods, mm-hmm. they're pretty much the same. The only difference is that like I remember Colorado weather being like harsher than Utah weather. Oh yeah, because like that elevation. And if you've ever been out. Colorado is pretty intense. It's like a mile. Denver's known for being like the mile city. And oh yeah, and we have a historic town that used to do mining. That's like thousand feet up. So wow, people still live there, but that's pretty high up there. We're high in multiple ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, nowadays, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. So well. Uh... So the Mormons, were they like, I'm going back to the Mormon thing again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine you only remember like a year capacity. or two of living in Salt Lake City. But it's like a pretty, that's a pretty significant city, right? Salt Lake City. Yeah. I mean, like, in as much as, like, now I'm in a large East Coast city. So it gives me yeah. perspective on like how small Denver actually is. <laughs> but like, I mean, Salt Lake in comparison with Denver, it's still... I think smaller, like just in area, like surface area, but like the art scene is pretty vibrant, at least from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's a fairly like economically, it's a pretty young place or, you know, there's, there's replacement and I don't know. I, now I just sound like I'm talking about demographic. Well, that's <laughs> data, okay. But, well, that's all right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'd say, like, Salt Lake is the most cosmopolitan of all the areas in Utah, for sure. So, like, there was, there's kind of a Jewish population there. Um, and my parents were, like, members of a synagogue. Mm-hmm. Um, as I understand it, it's, like, the only place in Utah where you can really see any brown people. Um, <laughs> well, I guess that was going to be my, my question, was, like, how yeah. accepting was the community of, you know, uh, diversity? in salt lake i mean salt lake i feel like it's a fairly yeah uh, it's more of a cultural center in utah than i can't name any other town or city in utah that I yeah. comes to mind so um yeah I, I the only other places i can name in utah are like the tourist attractions like in southern utah and like provo but <laughs> i i don't know what really what provo is famous for um, I've never even heard of Provo. Well, now you know. Now I know. Yeah. My idea of Salt Lake City is as a lot of like blonde-haired, blue-eyed people like from BYU walking around, <laughs> being friendly. Yeah. And and Sundance, I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I have not been back there. Probably, let's see. I think the last time that I was back in Utah was like when I was eight. So mm-hmm. it's been like thirteen years. Um. But yeah, like in terms of diversity, it's it's not a super diverse place. Maybe that's changed. I mean, it's been over a decade. But uh, I was like one of the first like adopted Chinese kids, pretty mm-hmm. much in Utah. Um, my mom, as my mom tells it, I was the first. 
but like <laughs> this is mom statistics, so the first and the best. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, though, like John Huntsman, the former ambassador to China, yeah. like he, so yeah, he has adopted long, Chinese kids, right. doesn't he? Yeah, he had six of his, his six bio kids, and then he adopted a child from China not long after I was adopted. Mm-hmm. And like the the way that my mom tells it, which like has to be taken with a grain of salt, is that like basically after I was adopted, they were like, oh yeah, like international adoption from China is like a thing. We should do that. And they, uh, they <laughs> like the through. Huntsman's specifically, they were like, we yeah. need to jump on this train. Yeah. Well, and I think it might've also been easier. Like he was an ambassador at that point, but like he had, he's had lots of connection to China for right. like a long time. Like he's um, fluent in Chinese, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, he spoke once at the university of Colorado and I didn't have the chance to see him, but like some of my friends went and they were pretty impressed. I mean, wow. He's an impressive, he has an impressive resume and like, his, he does. Yeah. The, the company that his family runs also has like business in China. So, um, his second adopted child is from India, if mm-hmm. I recall. But yeah, I knew, I knew he had an adopted child from China after he was posted there as ambassador, but I didn't know about the, uh, the Indian adoptee. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think that that's right. do but... you guys have like a connection to the Huntsman's then other than <laughs> That you and one of his kids are adopted from China. <laughs> I mean, I think theoretically, like in the Salt Lake, the, in the SLC bubble, like maybe my mom did know Elaine Huntsman at one point. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like, I don't really have any connections to them. Um, it's kind of funny because, like, I feel like at this point, living in DC, I would be more likely to meet John Huntsman than I <laughs> than maybe. any other point in my life before. <laughs> I mean, is he still active in the DC scene after he got done with his ambassadorship? I haven't been keeping up with John Huntsman. <laughs> um, I haven't been keeping up with him. I don't think that he's he doesn't seem to have shown up like in too many things. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think during basically since Romney ran for election, I really have not heard that much from Huntsman. Yeah, he was a he was an endorser, if I recall, um, or like I, I one of the. That one of the voices to speak out like in support of him. Um, Mormons got to stick together. I don't know. Yeah. So you, you're not close family friends with the Huntsman's is what I'm hearing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any siblings or was it just you? It's just me. So yeah. then uh, how was it growing up in Colorado? Um, well, yeah, let's see. Colorado is also not a super diverse place. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's interesting, though, because, like, the neighborhood that I lived in had um, kind of, like, the new wave or, like, growing chunk of Asian, like, immigrants. Mm. Um, It's funny to be in D.C. where, like, there's so much more diversity in comparison. But then, like, the nearest Asian grocery store is significantly harder for me to get to here because I have to drive out to the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. But then when you live in Colorado and everything is kind of, like, a 15-minute drive... Uh, it's, it's not so, a big deal. Yeah. There was there was an Asian market like really close to where I used to live. Oh, there you go. Um Yeah, so growing up in Colorado, I mean, it's a nice place to be from. Uh, there's I work in like policy stuff now. Um uh-huh. So there's not as much like people ask, you know, are you going to go back? And my parents don't even live in Colorado anymore. They they moved to Southern Virginia. Oh, um, wow. so they're pretty close to you. Well, relatively yeah 
they're close, but not too close. Is yeah. what I what other people I other people have described it this way. I, so. <laughs> Just in case yeah. your parents are listening. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're close. I kind of actually do wish that they were closer in some ways because I don't have a car and it takes five hours like by bus and like four ish hours to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of irritating just because I've gotten stuck on so many Greyhound or mega buses. Oh yeah. The mega and, bus. Uh, it's really Greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I got last time I took a mega bus, I did get stuck on like the turnpike from Baltimore to Philadelphia. So who knows? Uh. It's, it's whatever. Um, but yeah, they're fairly close now. Uh, with Amtrak, it's like closer to four hours as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they don't live in Colorado anymore, so it's the appeal of going back is really just to, like visit friends. Yeah, and yeah. There's go not go take a tour work. of the tea factory. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I mean, were there any other adoptees in in Boulder County or or the greater Colorado area that you could like hang out with, or did your parents try to do any activities with you? It sounds like if there's an Asian market close by, they at least tried to cook some food, maybe. Um, yeah, I ended up getting into all the cooking of Asian food. Well, I don't know. I think my mom really tried. Like, we did not do like heritage camps or any really anything Mm -hmm. that was related to adoption but like it was always pretty like an open conversation like you're adopted but my mom like has joked like we're sort of a model un family or we're like a (laughs) because like my mom is sort of ashkenazi with russian lithuanian heritage so she's Mm -hmm. like white passing and then my dad is pretty dark and he's persian yeah and then there's me so we always get profiled somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> you go to like the border control and they're like, wait, how does this work? Yeah. No, we were, this was when I was like 12 and we were going, um, we we're coming back from Vancouver and mm-hmm. into Seattle cause we were on vacation. And then the, um, the border police were like, yeah, you have to wait for a minute. Like and they profiled <laughs> us. They took us aside and like asked, you know, like how much money do you have in the car? Like what's really? your purpose? And then they took me aside and then they were like, So why are you not in school? And this was like in the middle of June. And I'm like, Because I'm on vacation. It's the summer. Like, it's the summer. <laughs> like my school got out at this time. <laughs> and, um, it was basically like <laughs> we were joking we've joked about this many times so it's like yeah i bet they were just wondering like what this poor white woman was doing with this like, terrorist man and this traffic <laughs> oh, child <God. laughs> it's like the most bizarre situation for them they're like what is yeah. happening they're trying to figure it out like it's a mystery <laughs> yeah well i remember like as a kid i was anxious because i was like oh wait like i have all that, like the 300 dollars that i made from like whatever small jobs like maybe they're wondering why i have so much money <laughs> <laughs> You're and rich. Now, yeah well i mean 300 dollars would still be a lot right now but like for a 12 year old i was like oh my god like maybe this is a problem uh in hindsight like no it's, it's just profiling yeah totally it's just racism <laughs> so it's just yeah. racism that's all it is so, yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. guys were profiled. I mean, have you had a lot of experiences like that? Or is it that kind of like the one that stands out that you guys just laugh about now? 
That's really, yeah, that's the one that stands out. I mean, I'm sure that, like, my dad has been profiled additionally uh, in other instances. We haven't traveled so much. I mean, like, yeah, I can't remember the last time that my dad took a plane. Um, I guess it was probably a couple of years ago, but we don't really travel by air all that much. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't do, we, my dad really likes road trips and car run vacations. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you're not hot on that plan all the time. <laughs> I'm okay with them. It's putting him and my mom together to drive in the car for like <laughs> eight hours. Um, did you have a lot of road trips as a kid? We tried to do that fairly often because we yeah. would go back to Salt Lake to see friends. Uh-huh. Um, so that's seven hours and yep. that's doable. But then we did a road trip out to California twice. Um, so... I, I didn't drive at this point, and I was young, so I remember being able to fall asleep and forget about <laughs> the navigation. Just past the hours. But, yeah, and then when I was 16, I could finally drive, and we were in California, um, and my my mom was like, yeah, just let Emma drive. It'll be fine, because she prefers my driving to my dad's driving, which is not that bad, <laughs> but um, then it became, like, this fight of who was going to actually be navigating. Um was it going to be Google Maps? Was it going to be my dad giving me backseat driving instructions? Or was it going to be my mom telling my dad to stop giving me instructions from the backseat? So, yeah. that's uh, Nice. Yeah. Those are road trips. That sounds like a pretty good childhood, pretty good upbringing. But, sounds like um, you have a good relationship with your parents still. Yeah. I mean, we're we're pretty close. I call them at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of stuff has been an open conversation about like adoption, I guess. Um, I don't know. There were other adopted kids, but they were generally a lot younger. So, and there oh, were yeah. almost all of them from China. Yeah. Um, I think like the first time I met somebody who was adopted from India was when we be- went back to Salt Lake City. And there was another kid in the Jewish community who like, at that time, we were eight, and he was, like, my age. And so people were like, oh, the two adopted, like, Asian kids should, like, sit together. Um, and he's really good at chess, and Emma's smart, so, like, they should play chess. <laughs> and I think I, like, lost in three moves, and I was like, I, I don't care. <laughs> but Sam, no. wherever you are out there, <laughs> I hope that your your chess dreams were fulfilled. Um <laughs> Did you keep in touch with him or was that just like a one-off chess game you lost and you were like, all right, we'll see ya. Yeah, no, I mean, we didn't, I don't remember like sustaining a conversation with this kid. Uh, I was not like particularly social as a child, <laughs> like, uh, especially at that point because like I, uh, I skipped grades basically, you know, in a weird situation. I skipped grades like starting when I was eight. And so I didn't, I really did not have that many friends, like, at all, but <laughs> I really didn't have that many friends who were, like, my age, um, so, until I got to college, so. I was going to well, say, no, you're, that's not you're true. what, like, 21 and you're working on your master's degree? That's, like, super impressive. I, I'm finishing, <laughs> I'm finishing my master's degree next month, so, yeah. Wow. Um, so, how many grades did you end up skipping? Um, by the time I got to college, it was four. You skipped so, four grades? Yeah, but I mean, like, so I didn't go through, like, the standard school system. I, like, um, 
I was going to Jewish day school and then that wasn't really working out so well. So I transferred to this one school that was like, uh, independent. It was like private at the time, but very, very uh-huh. cheap. And then, um, and it was kind of like for misfit kids and generally like sort of idiot savant types who maybe like had ADHD and like, they just couldn't work very well in the normal school system where they'd be like held back to do something or whatever. Mm. And then the, like the administration of the school, as I found out, like by the end, but I had to kind of deal with it at that point was very poor. And they like, I suspect that a lot of the stuff that they did was semi tax evasion related. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure. They dealt only in cash. (laughs) Well, I, I just, I never really figured out what their whole business model was, but like they switched from being like sort of private to then like we transitioned to being like an all online school and like entered into this weird like chartery program that was supposed to help underprivileged students. Uh But like the graduation rate was still really low at the end. And I don't know, it wasn't like a normal school at all. So, um, they, the whole like, Oh, she skipped four grades. Like take that with a grain of salt, I guess. I mean, I I managed to get through college like in four years. So Uh, regardless, I think that's still pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't get you. down on yourself. I mean, I, did the other kids skip four grades? Yeah, I guess it's true. <laughs> I I have one other friend who he did skip, I think, three grades. And yeah, we we often, we're like the only two who came out of that school uh, who did that. And yeah, we there have a fair go. number of fun stories to share with each other. <laughs> uh, but not really social in school. Not really. I mean, like, that's the thing. We didn't have extracurricular activities. We didn't have AP courses. Uh-huh. And, like, I I took Chinese, like, during... I took Chinese and piano as, like, my extracurriculars. But I, like, took them as private lessons. And then I, like, got my teachers to sign off on letters saying that they, like, did engage in 20 to however many hours per uh-huh. month or whatever of instruction. Okay. Um, And that was like how I got credit for some stuff. And then I learned everything else like from the computer. (laughs) So whose idea was it for you to take Chinese? Was that something you wanted to do? Or was that your parents signing you up for Chinese? That was my mom. So she, uh, she was always pretty like in as much as we didn't do adoption centered stuff. Um, from the time that I was young, we always did like Chinese new year celebration Mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, going to a, restaurant she'd give me a red envelope with money in it so she tried she to integrate some cultural one other things. one yeah yeah um she would get like children's books that centered on china i remember and then mm. i don't know yeah like she also like the neighborhood that we lived in had a, a lot of other like chinese american kids so there was some effort on her part as well to like get me integrated with them or at least to like get to know them and then when i was um well i started learning piano when i was like four and my piano teacher eventually uh was from china and she had a sister who like was willing to teach chinese or like had some pedagogy background Mm -hmm. and so my mom was like yeah you should do that and Part of me, I think, it was very much like piano. Like, part of me was inclined, but it was extra work. So, <laughs> I... <laughs> um, 
How was your, did you actually successfully integrate with the other kids in your neighborhood or that your mom wanted you to? <laughs> You're like, no, I'm good. I mean, she never really like pushed me to per se, like make friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I interacted with other kids in, in as much as like you can interact when your parents schedule your play dates and then like spend sure, yeah. two hours talking to each other. Um, <laughs> but like... I remember, yeah, I don't know. I felt very disconnected from other Chinese Americans because, um, like, they had, I think, on the part of the children, they were sort of starting to realize, like, oh, you know, we're not one thing or the other. Like, we have to live somewhere in between. And mm-hmm. most of their parents, like, in my neighborhood had, like, just immigrated from China. And they were, most of them, like, also working at jobs like my dad had in, like, high tech yeah uh or something something science related that was like higher skilled mm-hmm. so like their parents were within their own like Chinese community, and like the kids were sort of being encapsulated in that, but then those kids were also starting to realize that they wanted to be like more American or recognized like that, whereas yeah. I was like, I want to be more Chinese or like I want to know what that means and they were sort of not about that so, <laughs> so there's like a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it was me as a child thinking that like we had some that we did have some sort of connection, but like I didn't understand a lot of the other like cultural practices. And like Mm -hmm. I wanted to maybe understand more about how they did things, but they didn't know a very good way of like conveying like the way that they did things was different from the way that I did things Uh because they didn't have yet like the context since they were five or like five (laughs) or six. To understand that these things were different and like yeah, yeah. society was structured in um, multiple ways. So, um, yeah, like I didn't really, I didn't really have that many Asian American friends until I like got into college. Till, oh, yeah. Till the, later. And I, I think for a long time too, I didn't have as many Asian American friends as I had like friends who had immigrated or otherwise were like visiting the united states from asian countries because mm-hmm. we had the same sort of baseline of i i just want to learn and i don't have any real you know background in what you're doing but we'll figure it out <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. do you go to college at like 14 then basically yeah i i started at 14 and i finished well so my birthday's in the summer i started at 14 after i had graduated at 13 because uh-huh. I hit the age mark in the middle. And then I graduated uh, college at 17. Um, Where did you go to college? I went to CU Boulder. So the okay. the state, the main like state university. Mm-hmm. So that's what, is that when you started making more diverse friends, I guess, that were socially, like could contextualize their experiences better than a five-year-old? Yeah. I mean, like critical thinking was significantly better at that point, <laughs> I, I would say. <laughs> You know, 10 years passed. And, I would hope so, yeah. Um, 10 years passed, and it was, it, like, yeah, looking back on it, because I've had to think about this and answering, like, similar questions when people are like, yeah, so what was what was all this like? I'm like, oh, yeah, the reason that I did this was because. Yeah. Because before, I, like, never really thought about it. Um, <laughs> but it was easier. I also like had, I had friends who were international students at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and like my public school that I had gone to originally, like when I was five, there were other, there were other Brown kids. Like there were Chinese American kids and there were Indian kids in the neighborhood. 
and um, some like Latino kids. So like we were, I guess, sort of friendly at that point. But then I transitioned through a number of different schools. Yeah. Um, and even in Jewish school, actually, that was one of the more diverse experiences because we had a lot of other like half Jewish, half like Thai or like Chinese or Guatemalan in some instances, like mm-hmm. families. I didn't really make friends with any of those kids, but in college, yeah, I started making, I got much more involved in like international student services. And then also eventually was the president of like the Japanese student association. Um, the and, Japanese student association. Yeah. So I started learning Japanese when I was like 16. Um, uh-huh. Right. I don't know. I can't, <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> I mean, not really, <laughs> but you're young, so you know that's like you know fifth of your life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I can't remember. I, I was a sophomore, like it was like right, late yeah. sophomore. So yeah, mm-hmm. I started learning Japanese uh, around when I was sixteen or fifteen, um, and I studied it after like a year and a half of studying it. Um, there was the, oh yeah, that's right. So. Um, recently commemorated was the 2011 Fukushima like nuclear um, disaster, yeah. and so we had we actually have a significant or like fairly active um, like Japanese student exchange program, hmm. and they were doing like a lot of fundraising and um, charity work at the time. So yeah. I kind of got involved in that um, from having studied Japanese and like knowing some of the students and being like in that sphere, mm-hmm. and then. I realized like, oh yeah, I can kind of get involved in the student organization. Um, and then I eventually became the president of the student organization and the treasurer. And, and the treasurer? So, yeah. At the same time? That <laughs> seems like a conflict of interest. <laughs> well, pretty much, I, like, not to discredit, well, no, I don't care. I don't think any of these people who, <laughs> I was basically running the entire organization like by yeah, myself yeah. at a certain point. Um, there was like a couple of people who helped out, but how big was the membership yeah. of the Japanese student association at UC Boulder? I mean, so we had like 18, like officers and members. Uh-huh. We had like a bunch of members, at least who would regularly come to our events. Cause we held, um, like a language exchange table every week. So those were like fairly small. It would detract between like 10 and 20 people. But then we had, like, every year we would have this big, like, cultural expo, and then there would be, like, performances and stuff. So I planned for that. I, I kind of, like, revived that after a year where we didn't have it. Mm. I think after I left, nobody, like, really Nobody continued the tradition. I don't think so. Um, yeah. So I got more, and I, I had a lot of other, like... Not just, it wasn't just like Japanese people, it was like a lot of Chinese Americans or like Chinese exchange students Mm. and some, like a variety of other students who were like in the international space. Yeah. Because we had a, we had a pretty active like international student services office Uh and also a group for um, international students because we'd held a different like um, language or like cultural exchange thing every Friday with free coffee. Nice. Well, free coffee is always a good draw. Exactly. (laughs) So (laughs) is this when you start getting more diverse friends and everything like that, when do you start getting involved with the adoptee side? Um, like last month. (laughs) So (laughs) 
I, <laughs> so this is a super recent development, and then you decide yeah. to come on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, um, by chance, like I met, uh, I was working at this part-time job of mine that I uh, thankfully don't have to dedicate time to anymore, but um, I, I was working part-time retail, and uh, one of the customers his wife walked up and with their daughter and the daughter was clearly like Asian and the couple, um, uh, was not. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, is your daughter by chance adopted? Cause like they were friendly customers and I felt like, you know, pretty, my interest had been piqued. I, I felt like I could this. probably ask <laughs> And they're like, Oh yeah. Like, are you by chance? And I was like, yeah, like I was adopted from China when I was four months old, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, our daughter is adopted from Taiwan. Um, this is Camille. She's 11. And I was like, that's really cool. And uh, we exchanged contact information. And then as she was giving me her last name, um, I was like, oh, it ends in Stein. And I'm like, are you guys by chance Jewish? <laughs> and then they looked at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> they looked at me. And then we shared this moment of like, <laughs> really, really, of all coincidences. So we've been basically from that story, like we've been hanging out and getting together because they live in Bethesda, which is pretty close to oh, DC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the woman, she or the mother of this child, she is fairly active in like all these adoptee groups. Oh yeah. And she put together a panel with um, AJ oh, and yeah. Sharon. Mm-hmm. So nice. Um, I was on that panel like last month and basically oh, wow. so you're like rapid fire getting yeah. involved that was like my first time like i had not really ever done anything like i've met <laughs> other adoptees multiple times but like uh-huh. now i'm starting to meet more adult ones and then i was like oh yeah other adult adoptees exist because yeah, yes yeah they've all been younger than me so they far. don't just like yeah. disappear after childhood <laughs> yeah are they wondering where where you guys are i feel like I'm I'm on the older well for the Chinese adoptees I definitely am like on the older side. Yeah, well, yeah, I uh, guess. The, the oldest I feel like Chinese adoptees are now starting to hit your age and just a little bit older. Yeah. You're kind of at the at the ceiling. Yeah, but I think it's basically because like adoption technically started in 1992, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're maximum like 24, 25. Yeah, but um, yeah, so like that was. That was in early March, and so it's been a month of me like. So, so wait, what was in early March? You met this couple in early March, this family in early March. No, I met this couple um, back last summer. Okay. Um, yeah. So you've been and hanging we, out with yeah. them for a while, right? You're talking with them for a while, and and then last month you get involved on the on the panel with Sean yeah. and AJ. I mean, I would have to say, like, in terms of visible like public groups or public sorts of resources mm-hmm. that's been like the last month i like when i was when i was in college and i was uh one of my other part-time things was tutoring and i found um or she found me i guess this one girl who um was also adopted she's now 18 mm-hmm. and so i was kind of mentor slash tutoring her i was tutoring her in chinese because um, she also wanted to learn um, so I've, I've been like on the whole mentorship, connecting with other adoptees, but always younger yeah. side of things for a while. Um, but yeah, in terms of like more institutional 
uh, resources. This is the first that I've really like looked into any of them. Wow. So how how is it so far? A month a month in, seems like you're going really rapid fire. You're on the <laughs> panel and you're on a podcast. Um, I think it comes at a really interesting time, uh-huh. uh, and there's a reason for being this like motivated. I'm generally a pretty active person. Like once I decide that I want to do something or like I'm interested in something, I kind of get not obsessed with it, but I will like dig deep and that's, that's going to be my thing Mm -hmm. uh, at that point. So uh, since I, I think since the election kind of like geared up and then inauguration happened, I've also been like a lot more into activism or at least trying to figure out like where to do that. I don't Um, think you're the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully, if there is a, if there's like a net positive effect, it's, I don't know. People are spun up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yes, so you get start getting involved in activism. Yeah, and, like, one of those parts is, um, like, speaking of diversity, it's, like, there's there's just diversity. I don't know. I've been kind of in that space of trying to encourage it, like, in college when I was with international students. Sure, yeah. But now living in a place where, like, the diversity is not necessarily coming from, you know, a plane and landing here and then staying here for like four years. It's mm-hmm. people who have like lived here for generations. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's different. Like there's still things that are the same in talking about like aspects of prejudice, but mm-hmm. like the sorts of institutional um, racism that people have to face, like in a city like DC, the dialogue changes a lot. And there's a lot that I've been learning kind of, especially with like local DC politics and, you know, living in DC, there's a lot that you learn and have to pay attention to. So, um, part of that, part of my like activism has been influenced by just like people of like advocating for people of color, finding good ways to finding good and constructive ways to do that. And then my own kind of home space, I guess, is like the Jewish community or like, Mm -hmm. that's something that I wanted to get into more once I got here. Um, Cause like, I don't know, Colorado's Jewish community, there are some pockets of it that are strong, but because it's not a very diverse place, it's mm-hmm. definitely not as uh, open as DC is. Yeah. But that being said, like there is a lot of space still, or a lot of improvement that like Jews of color spaces sure, could yeah. have. And then tied into that conversation is just that like Jews of color result or we are Jews of color for so many different reasons and different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've met people who are like either converting or they have one parent who is like of color. Maybe that parent also is Jewish, but then like the other parent is like Ashkenazi and sort of like yeah, yeah. stereotypically Jewish looking. Um, and then there is like a new rising population of us who are adopted and Jewish. Yeah, <laughs> It's a minority within a minority within a minority, but <laughs> um I, I have met like a bunch of like younger kids now because like the in addition to this one girl um, who I've been hanging out with like there there are a good number of us a lot of us are Asian <laughs> so, yeah it's true yeah and then, you know is it specifically do you feel like it's a specifically like a religious and minority Jew or irreligious Jewish minority doesn't matter I think I mean. 
Actually, sorry. Like, what do you? I guess, what do you mean by that question? <laughs> so, um, I'm not a Jew, obviously. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> but there, well, McDonald's a fairly Irish McDonald's Catholic. Name. <laughs> <laughs> or Scott Catholic, as I yeah. as I find out. Um, <clears throat> but you know, there there are, I have plenty of Jewish friends. I grew up around a lot of Jews in New Jersey, and yeah. a lot of them have grown up to be still considered themselves jewish culturally but they're not religious they're in mm -hmm. fact probably more on like the atheist agnostic side when it comes to religion but jewish very culturally jewish still oh yeah so no i agree i mean like i personally i'm not theologically like inclined uh -huh. but it's because like my parents come from two di very like different strains of judaism and they always like because my dad is part of a diaspora community, I think that he's continually emphasized, like, this is our tradition. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, Fiddler on the Roof style. Um, <laughs> tradition. We can sing um, the song if you want. Uh, yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> also, saddest ending to a show. <laughs> but, like, that's that's pretty much, like, every Jewish thing ever. It's like... Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. That's true. There's a, there's a pentatonic minor scale... And then there's a sad ending that, like, eventually told you something about family. And, um, and also, guilt. we're getting kicked out. <laughs> and, yeah, and also, like, you know, not belonging somewhere. <laughs> we need to get out of here because something terrible is happening. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a Simpsons episode where they're, uh, I don't know if you're, the Simpsons might be past your generation. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> where they're reading from the like Old Testament, they're telling the story of like Moses and escaping Egypt and stuff like that. And so you, you know, part the Red Sea, they escape through, and then the sea closes. And then Lisa closes the book, and she's like, "And nothing bad ever happens to the Jews ever again." <laughs> <laughs> I think I've yeah, I've seen that part. There's also a really great episode where they go to Israel. Um, I don't think I saw that one. <laughs> I don't precisely remember what happens. Except that, like, Bart basically gets assaulted by, like, a little Israeli girl who knows Krav Maga. Um, <laughs> Just, like, kicks him in the nut and beats him. Yeah. Well, because he makes some, like, his... Yeah, it's Bart. Sorry. I was like, because he makes another, like, stupid Bart comment. And yeah. then, like, and the girl, like, with this sort of stereotypical Israeli accent is like, she... I don't remember exactly what the response is. And then proceeds to, like, just shint, like, elbow him. <laughs> in the nuts <laughs> like um they played this like when i was on birthright in israel oh nice so it was really <laughs> i think some of the israelis had like limited context for what the hell was going on but Probably, uh, yeah. i was i was laughing so very nice yeah Do you, have you taken any krav maga lessons i really wanted to because there's a the jcc offers something oh, nice. like that but i don't know i haven't i have not had time between like I'm part of another student organization now and grad school and working a little busy, a little busy. And yeah, I've always wanted to learn, but I'm also very scared. And, like, looking for a job. <laughs> I don't want to get beat up too bad. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I, I have mean, a feeling it's just going to be my body suffering throughout those lessons. <laughs> my friend went and she told me that like the first lesson she did get to like throw somebody over nice. her, I think, which like sounds pretty cool to me. I, I don't know. You should go. You should go do it. <laughs> it's my goal for the summer. Yeah, okay. there you go. So yeah. I, want, I want to get back to the, your, your involvement and how it's going with the, with the new adoptee wokeness. <laughs> 
yeah. It's very specific sort of woke. Yes. It's a super specific slice of woke. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I've had anybody on this early on in the process. <laughs> so this is how was that how was that first panel? Um so Cause you, AJ and Sharon are like they're awesome, but they're also very. They have a long history of being involved and and being right. activists too. So I mean, did you? Not to say you were out of your depth or anything like that, but was it intimidating at all being on the panel with those two? I was a little bit out of my depth because, like, I think I had for starters, like that weekend had already been extremely exhausting, and I like basically got up. I think this panel was at three ish in the afternoon. <laughs> And I got up at like two and I finally convinced myself like, I need to, I need to leave. <laughs> um, like, so I hope it was, it was close by. Um, I mean, it was in Bethesda. So I guess all in all probably took like maximum an hour to get there. Like I helped with a little bit of the setup. It, it wasn't like that strenuous, but it was just because there was like Purim going on the previous weekend, which is a Jewish holiday in which we dress up and drink. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't do that much drinking, but it was just like a lot of staying up late because yeah, other extenuating circumstances, mostly of late night movies, but uh, that aside, so I was like exhausted and not really like quite mentally prepared. So I was like, wait a yeah. second, it's going to be a lot of adoptive parents probably asking questions. <laughs> that you may or may <laughs> like, not have thought of. Yeah. Oh crap. Like, what are they going to ask me? Um, and then like before... I mean, before the panel, um, there's a, a, uh, a therapist who deals in adoptive, um, like, trauma, and she herself is adopted. Her name is Jacqueline Skolnick, and she's based out of Wisconsin. Okay. Um, so she, and she came now she knows panel? about you. Oh, great. Because we were, we were talking about – basically, the reason that I know about the podcast is because AJ and Sharon were talking about, like, oh, yeah, we – for adoptive resources, like – there's the rambler and blah, blah, yeah. blah. so <laughs> made the list yeah yay publicity yes. <laughs> and i was like oh okay word of mouth's always good yeah <clears throat> i know so like all the parents now know about your podcast too so oh, hopefully right. um there's some listening in but like i wasn't prepared and i didn't i only was not mentally prepared necessarily mm-hmm. i knew well and also because like i run so many panels that are like on academic topics sure i was like well, how is this going to work? Because we haven't really talked about the structure other than like, you're going to introduce yourself a little bit yeah, with whatever you want to say. Yeah. And then it was pretty much like just questions. Yeah, yeah. And I had started to think, well, should I prepare like a statement? Should I prepare like, <laughs> should I prepare talking points? I, and then I was like, where's nah. my publicists? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was more coming from like a, from like a government intern perspective where uh-huh. you always have to prepare like, talking points yeah, for your yeah. supervisor You're like and public affairs officer is like yeah. hey whenever whenever your supervisor goes to a meeting you prepare talking points and then you prepare mm-hmm. all the resources for the other exchanges and so i was like well i don't have any of that i mean nice i have, I have what's in here and, so you're coming from a completely <laughs> different perspective as to how like a panel is run right and you <laughs> so, drop into this yeah i like wasn't i wasn't necessarily prepared I mean, I, I answered the questions, but there was the first question, and I felt like really stupid after this in some sense because the first question from one mother was like, "When was the first time you thought about your birth mother or your birth parents?" And like, 
what what was the context for that and what did your parents do to like i don't know you know answer or mm-hmm. otherwise make that a conversation or did they and so like sharon answered um which is already on her which she already like um went over like in her podcast with you um and then aj answered and was like yeah like <laughs> I looking at this crowd of people, this was the first question, maybe 40, maybe not even 40 people. They're all like adoptive parents and like maybe three adopted teenagers. Like they were already starting to cry at these answers. And I was like, I don't, I don't really cry, but like, if I'm looking at a bunch of people who are sad, I'm like an empathetic crier. Yeah. Yeah. And so, or like, yes, like a sympathy crier. And so (laughs) I was looking at all of them and then AJ saying like, you know, our parents took us to an Indian restaurant to like honor the three mothers who had birthed us because he has two siblings. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's like, so (laughs) that's so much more like philosophically, sort of in depth than anything that my parents ever said not not to discredit my parents but like that it's like that's really schmaltzy like in its own way yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all these parents crying and like I started talking and I was like tearing up <laughs> even though like my answer was not like that emotionally like connected to what I was saying yeah yeah um, well, what was your answer were you just like sobbing and then you were like no <laughs> well I was like uh, well <laughs> I was adopted when I was, I should have brought some tissues. And then like all these people like started crying more because they were like, oh my God, she's, she's like really affected and then brought up a bunch of tissues. And then after that, I didn't need any because I actually didn't start crying, but I was, I was choking up. So it was, it was a moment where I was like, uh, I should have, I should have prepared a little bit more. Because... So it set the tone for the rest of the panel. <laughs> Well, then the rest of the panel was actually okay. But, <laughs> it was just that first yeah. question that was like was, real, like yeah. rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, how's it been since then? Since then, I mean, since that point, like, there were a lot of things I think that I talked about that, like, in some sense, did like they were unfinished thoughts or like parts of, I guess, parts of what I had been talking about where I wanted to say more both like for the adoptive parents, but then also kind of to say some things out loud and sort it out for myself. Mm-hmm. And there was something like, I guess about the context of it that bothered me. So I kept like looking into all these resources and that's why, like, I think I've listened to like a third of the podcast because it that's takes pretty me 30 good progress. minutes. It takes me 30 minutes to walk to class and like 20 minutes if I like walk back and forth to work. So like I can get a good episode in. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, I hope I'm not the only thing you're listening to. You need to no, I listen it up to NPR. Some. Okay, it's me and NPR. It's like you, NPR, and it's like uh, me and Ira Glass just hanging out in your head. Uh, yeah, and Planet Money and like uh, some other ones, like some some Jewish related podcasts mm-hmm. on occasion. Nice. Yeah, I used to listen to Welcome to Night Vale, but I'm like 50 episodes behind or something. So, well. I'm sure they'll still be there. So yeah, <laughs> it's not like you missed them. So that's, yeah. that's the nature of the internet these days. I, it's like it requires a lot more like concentration to follow the storyline, though. So that's true. You can like, tune in and out of yeah. this podcast. <laughs> well, this this I can kind of like listen to, and I'll 
yeah, it's like listening to it just another conversation. Yeah. It's not like a. You can let your mind wander yeah. a bit. Be yeah. like, how does this affect my life? Oh, yeah, I relate to that and stuff like yeah. that. And then you return to the conversation. Like, Wait, what are they talking about now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you've been listening to a third of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you gotten deeper involved since the panel into the adoptee community in D.C.? Like, are you part of ALDC now? Are you, are you meeting up with all the peeps there? Um, I checked out their website and then I, I was like bookmarked it and I was going to be like, I'll get back to this after graduation. Oh um, yeah. Cause well, that's gotta I, be a priority yeah. now, right? That's coming yeah, up. Yeah, basically. And like CCI has a Facebook group and oh, now yeah, that CCI. you say that, I remember, like I forgot they sent me a message like, <coughs> can you please send us verification details so that we can add you to the group? And I haven't gotten oh, yeah. to that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well hey uh cci people admin i know you're listening so add emma she's she's actually adopted i don't remember what agency it was but i'll find out from my mom <laughs> that's the only thing i forgot <laughs> oh yeah i know a few of the yeah. admins over there so yeah i think it's like i don't remember what our organization was i have all the adoption papers because like uh my mom my mom gave them to me at a certain point also before I moved. And then when I was applying for my first visa to China, I had to like dig up all the records because getting my passport was, well, getting my passport and getting my student visa was like a Herculean task of Mm -hmm. no other. Well, no, it was just, it was just a fight against red tape, but yeah. So have you, how are your parents reacting? Have you told them that you're getting more involved in the adoptee community? Uh, I haven't really, I haven't really talked to them about it. I mean, I told my, I told them that I was going to be on the panel. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of, I don't think that they really thought much of it. I talked to my dad maybe more in depth about certain aspects. Mm-hmm. And I do remember, I think I might've mentioned some things to my mom, but um, yeah, I, they haven't had, <laughs> I don't know, much of a reaction. I, I think that they're sort of overall like, oh, it's good that you're, you know, finding like people and yeah. especially my mom like has encouraged me to continue hanging out with this family who I'm like, I have sort of a surrogate big sister role. Um, she, she thinks that that's a positive thing for me to do. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of, I haven't, I haven't gone to the point where I've like started asking like I've tried to engage with them on certain questions of mm-hmm. like our personal adoption story, but like overall as a concept or community, I think they're pretty cool with it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you got, you were applying for a visa to go to China. Did you go? So yeah, I've been to China um, twice now. I was there for like a study program in um, 2013 mm-hmm. and there's a program run through um, size, which was really funny. Now I, I feel like I really need to meet Jenny town. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, Oh, another like Asian adoptee who then ended up working in Asia policy. Like, yeah, go figure like deep into Asia policy. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she leads a really cool, interesting life. So she just, does. Yeah. Um, also a past guest. Go listen to that episode too. Yeah, I did. I, that's how, like, that's how I learned about who she was. Cause I, I don't do like Korea. Pol- I mean, I do Korea policy in as much as it like, especially China. now influences China. Yeah. With um, the president, she visit. Yeah. 
uh, no, at the beginning, <laughs> I should have said, like, the one thing that I will not go into is, like, talking about this this Asia-Pacific policy thing, because I could <laughs> probably talk about that until my face turns blue, but, uh, yeah. Um, no, it's, like, she she works on really cool, interesting stuff. and like She does. I had actually heard about some of the other projects that she was working on, mm-hmm. but then I hadn't, like, re- remembered her name. So, um, Jane's Hound. Well, she's in the D.C. Yeah. area when she's... You know, yeah. in the states and not right gallivanting around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll probably see her at an event at some point soon too. I, so. I imagine so. If you keep with it, so are you going to keep with it? Um. So I mean, like in terms of China policy, that's uh. Well, or... uh, the adoptee community. Oh, the adoptee post graduation. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just like, I'll probably see her at an Asia policy event more likely. <laughs> Very possible. Before I see her at an adoptee event, but um. I, I think that I want to, I'm trying to like find, there's so many different things that are going on in yeah. in DC, like, which I had not realized before. And that's kind of been the fascinating part where yeah. I'm like, oh my God, like there's ALDC, there's mm-hmm. like this group and this group and this group. And like, there's so many people who kind of like DC seems like a good kind of touch point aside from like New York, I guess. Yeah. No, um, it's always moving. So DC yeah. is always moving. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, like where my role falls in that, but I'd like to be involved somehow. Yeah. I, I like have so many different like identity markers that I can like tick off a list of like, how do you feel marginalized today? <laughs> I can, it like, it basically brings me, it, I have to make some tough decisions about which ones I want to like invest time in. Well, and that's the thing uh, with, you know, activism and, and being yeah. woke now, I guess, is the new, yeah. that's what the kids are saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't think I'm in that demographic anymore, but, you know. I think you're a millennial. So. Yeah, I, I, technically, I'm a millennial, yeah. thanks Harvard sociology, but yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's also, the millennial spectrum is very wide, because there's like pre-high-speed yeah. internet millennials. Like, I grew up on yeah. dial-up, and like, you're like, what, dial-up? I still remember dial-up. <laughs> that's like me saying i still remember rotary phones because i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but you know yeah somebody your age is like rotary phones like that's something you see in a museum yeah or in a movie so or in a movie there you go <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um but you know i the my amount of activism is somebody when i did uh, a recent not panels more like a one towards many parent discussions uh with a group up here in new york so yeah, they invited me up and they were like, Oh, maybe you could talk about your activism. I was like, I I don't <laughs> consider myself an activist. <laughs> you know, I don't attend marches, I don't make signs, like I will support policy and I will donate to yeah. organizations and stuff like that. But as far as like totally active participation, I'm certainly not an officer on anybody's board uh <laughs> that does organizes these kinds of things. Um, but I totally support those that do. But it's one of those things where it's like, that's really more for my own sanity than anything else, mm-hmm. because you can get so deeply involved in some of these things. It's like, it will consume you, you know, yeah. I've met people who work for like a human rights campaign, which I totally support, but they're just like totally outraged all the time. And I'm like, I can't direct my energy that way. <laughs> like, I just, I can't be that angry because it'll just like totally like, that'll be my life. <laughs> so I understand. They also like, have, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's, it's just, I was like, I totally understand when you're like, oh, how have I been, <laughs> how have I been putting this box this way? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no. I mean, like, the so the people, like, who work at HRC and a bunch of, like, similar organizations, it's not just, like, that they're, I think they're just generally emotionally, mentally worn down a lot of the time because yeah. it consumes their life, but then, like, their work-life balance is pretty, pretty terrible from what I understand. Well, um, and that's my thing. I would just want to maintain my work-life yeah. balance by completely separating them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I do that in some senses, but a lot of, I think a lot of the things that I want to get involved in, I, I want to find some way to kind of connect it to work that I do mm-hmm. overall. But um, yeah, I mean, like Jews of color has been, I, I feel like I've put my finger into many different activist pies and spaces because at the beginning of like uh, last fall, yeah, fall semester, like 2016, I was trying to get into more like Jewish events yeah. Which is less like activism and more just, you know, which communities and like yeah, yeah. what context can I get involved in. I think I pretty much settled that I prefer doing activist stuff that involves Jews at the center. Like mm-hmm. Jews, there's an organization in D.C. called Jews United for Justice and they do a lot of like local D.C. politics. They run like policy campaigns and okay. a lot of good stuff that does relate to like racial justice and like gender justice and so on and so forth. Um, and then... There's, you know, a ton of organizations in D.C. also dedicated to other general, like, issues that I care about for racial, gender, uh, like, sexuality, and I don't know. I think pretty much, like, I personally can check off most, (laughs) a lot of boxes other than, like, disabled. So, like, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I don't mean that as, like, an oppression Olympics sort of thing, but in terms of... (laughs) Like, stuff that I, like, I care about lots of different stuff. I care about also issues of disabled persons, but, uh, like, things that personally But you yourself are not disabled. Yes. So, like, yeah. Right. Things that directly affect me. I see. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Is there any other ones other than uh, Jews of Color that you'd like to promo right now and give a shout out to? I mean, I'm still kind of coming up with that space. I do have... I do have a friend who is starting up basically like a fellowship program. I guess I could kind of promote that, but it's called United um, Transporter. Crap, I forgot what the name of it is. I have his document here. But he's been working on, basically he's another grad student, United Transporter Connections, Inc., which is going to be a nonprofit that um, my friend Alex Valdivinos is starting up. Cool. And uh, basically, it's to serve underprivileged populations and do like international educational exchange. Nice. So, I don't know. I don't know where maybe uh, adoptee listeners might have a stake in that. But if you're interested in international affairs of any kind and are, you know, even if you're not in the DC area, hit me up. <laughs> well, there, there, yeah. this is a great segue. So, where can people <laughs> find you online, and if they can get in touch with you? Um, let's see. So, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I like, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> um, Are you on Twitter? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, I am on Twitter. I don't like. I'm not very active. That's like one thing that I also would like to get to do like after. Uh-huh. graduation because i at, at one point um, i used to be a video editor and much more active with like media production stuff um but that kind of fell by the wayside and i used to run my own website but that also the domain is no longer but uh they can find me at e 
And then my last name, R-A-F-A-E-L-O-F at uh, gmail.com as well. But you can find me at my Twitter by the same E, my last name. Even though you're inactive. I do retweet things and I occasionally tweet things. Yeah, wow. Um, I clearly don't use this platform that much um, other than to read stuff. But yeah, I'm on that if you're using Chinese apps I'm on WeChat it's Emma oh, underscore yeah. Raphaeloff that's how you say my last name um what else yeah I'm on lots of different platforms that I don't post anything on you're not so. on like uh, Baidu or what are the other ones out there um so yeah Baidu you can get an account just to like post on their forums but run run but nobody really uses that anymore it's mostly just WeChat um oh, yeah. Mostly WeChat, and then QQ used to be a thing, but like it's owned by the same company that owns WeChat, and they kind of phased QQ out of being uh, popular. Yeah. So, I see. All right, cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show, especially so early in your adoptee wokeness. Yeah, I'm gonna trademark that <laughs> adoptee wokeness. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you are uh, always welcome to come back on the show later if you have more new exciting experiences to share as you go through your journey, I guess people yeah. is, is what people say. <laughs> <laughs> journey that never ends. It, yeah, exactly. Oh. It really doesn't. I could say that being like over 10 years older than you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show and sharing. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, Bye. All right, and that was my interview with Emma Rafaeloff. I want to thank Emma for taking the time to come on the show, The Rambler, The Rambler Podcast, especially so early, so early in her adoption journey. Is that what we've settled on, journey? Is there another word? Is there another word that you'd like to hear instead of journey? Uh, write in. Tell me. Tell me what you think. You can send me an email at therambleradhd at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook. Like me on Facebook at facebook.com slash therambleradhd. Or follow me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at therambleradhd. So you can do all those things, and usually I'll, I'll do my best to uh, reply to any inquiries or suggestions like the one I just asked for, for you guys. If you have like another word instead of journey that you would like to hear, I, uh, I would like to hear what your suggestion is. I don't know. Journey seems to be a little, I don't know, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? I don't know, a little hackneyed at this point, maybe? Jaded? It's a jaded term for, for, for things through life? I don't know. Story? Story's good. I like story. Uh, give me a suggestion. Oh, I almost forgot to read you guys this very, very nice email that I received from uh, Kylie. So here it goes. Hi, Mike. Not too sure how to start this email, but I want to let you know how much your podcast means to me. I'm a transracial South Korean adoptee, and at 23, just started to process my adoption, how it's influenced my life and identity. I'm going to graduate school to become a mental health counselor, so of course, all that required self-reflection and examining your cultural identity has triggered a lot more for me. I first heard about your podcast back in February when you did an episode with Michaela Dietz. Michaela Dietz is awesome, by the way. You guys should listen to that episode. It's great. Michaela, uh, I am a huge fan of Steven Universe and always related to Amethyst's character, but I had no idea Michaela was also a South Korean adoptee, too. I can't explain how validating listening to that episode and others was to me. 
I grew up in a small, very white town and never talked to or met any other adoptees before. I never knew how similar or normal my feelings were until I heard your podcast and looked into other spaces on the internet. Uh, I am still struggling a lot, and hearing the recent news about Philip Clay was heartbreaking, but I kept pushing, keep pushing forward. I haven't had the chance to listen to every episode yet, but each one gives me hope that there are people out there who understand me and feeling of belonging. If there are any other great resources out there for transracial adoptees, I'd appreciate it if you could pass them along to me. I'm trying to reach out more to the community and talk to other transracial adoptees. Thank you for taking the time to read this email and creating your podcast. It has been so important and meaningful to me. Well, thank you, Kylie. I wrote back to her as well and told her that she should check out Kaomi Getz's podcast adapted on iTunes, uh, Closure on Netflix, which is Angela Tucker's uh, uh, documentary about her search for her uh, birth family. Uh, she's a transracial adoptee domestic in the United States. Uh, the Canadian podcast that I was on, Adoptees On, is also very good by Haley Radke. Uh, and I, I hear the fo- Out of the Fog is supposed to be another good one. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's a lot of other resources and movies, especially documentaries out there. Uh, if you like music, you listen, can listen to Dan, a.k.a. Dan. Uh, he's a, he does some hip-hops uh, that you might like, you might enjoy, uh, and then suggest him that he should be on the show sometime as well if, if you know him personally, uh, and all that other stuff. So, uh, you know, the, the, the adoptee community is rich in, in, in depth in terms of stories and resources that you can get a hold of, and I encourage you to seek those out. If there's an uh, adoptee organization within your area, you could give it a Google. You can probably give it a Google, and there's maybe an adoptee group in your area that you could converse with and meet up and go eat food uh, and hang out and just be cool people together, which is, I think, always a good suggestion. Uh, like AKA New York, which is what I belong to. If you're on the West Coast, there's AKA San Francisco. There's also uh, in the Pac Northwest, uh, there's uh, the also the Asian American Adoptee Association of of Washington, AAAW. I don't think I got all those letters right, but you get it. They're, they're all over the place and you can check them out anywhere. Uh, and if not, you know, always online, there's always groups online on Facebook or whatever your social network of choice is that you could check out. And of course, keep listening to this podcast. I always appreciate listener emails and other contacts. So send me an email and, uh, and you can share how much this show means to you it means a lot to me to hear from fans uh and if you'd like to come on the show just let me know let me know if you'd like to be a guest to share your story a lot of people say to me oh i don't have anything to say or i don't know what i talk about don't even worry about it as you can tell uh i have no qualms about talking about caffeinated beverages for like 10 minutes so uh you know i think it's for everybody's enjoyment i think everybody likes that in any case i hope you guys have a great month enjoy june um, keep, keep safe, I guess. And, uh, keep your heads up. You guys are not alone out there. Okay. I swear. And if you like the show and you think it means a lot to you, uh, share it, share it with somebody that you love, a friend or family as I, as I welcome in the introduction. Uh, with that, I will let you guys go and, uh, enjoy your month. I'll talk to you guys again in July. Adios.